This is Godliness with Contentment, episode 51. My name is Keen O'Hanna, and I'm here to have a conversation about how to win with money from the Bible's perspective. I believe that it's possible for Christians to reach financial independence. You can expect one episode from me per week. During those times, I take a look at what the Bible has to say about handling money or wealth, I personally uh, desire to learn and put these things into practice, and I hope that that's the same for you. We're currently on a journey through the Bible, and we're looking at wealthy people in the Bible who were people of God. So we've been looking at many different uh, men and women in the scriptures. Today, we look at another woman. So that's some, some good news. The book of Acts has many examples of women who were willing participants in the gospel. And they played an important part in the advancement of the gospel. Today, we're going to take a look at one of them. And she is Mary, the mother of Mark. And we find her in Acts chapter 12. So just a bit of the background of what's happening here. Peter was in prison. And James, the brother of John, was already put to death. And it looks like Peter was going to be next as far as being executed. During the night, an angel sets him free and uh, leads him out of the prison cell. And in this case, there would have been a guard on either side, right? And guards at the gate. Yet, the angel leads Peter out. I guess these soldiers are in, in a deep sleep because of the angel. Peter, you know, kind of not really understand what's going on, but he obeys the angel. He escapes. The last barrier would have been the big iron gate leading to the city. And this gate opened by itself. This gate would take about 20 to 25 men to open it. The soldiers would normally just lock it and no need to guard it because of how heavy it was. When Peter came to himself, he realizes what had happened and that God had rescued him from Herod and from death. So then Peter goes to the house of the subject of our podcast today, the lady married the mother of John Mark. So at this point at her house, many people were there praying for Peter's release. Her house was one of those places where Christians would have gathered. Early in the history of the church, there were no church buildings and local groups would meet in the homes of Christians whose house was big enough to accommodate it. So in one particular city, there may, there may have been uh, many different house churches where groups would meet. Mary was most likely a wealthy widow. I say that because no husband is mentioned. And wealthy, she had a house, but she also had a servant girl. And she opens her home as one of the meeting places for the church. Now, we're not sure why Peter chose that house when he escapes from prison. Maybe it was the closest one, 
or perhaps it was the furthest one, right? Or maybe he just had a close relationship with Mary and or her son, John Mark. Now, Mark, an interesting note about him, he would be the one to write one of the Gospels, right? So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is the Mark. And it is told to us from history that Mark got first-hand information from Peter, okay? And he used that first-hand information of Peter. Um, when I say first-hand, I mean Peter with Jesus. Then Peter relays it to Mark, and Mark writes the Gospel of Mark. But back, back to Mary. So for Mary to host a church at her home was risky. At times, the apostles, the Christians, they were searched out to be put in prison and even to death. Her opening her house would put a mark on her and she would have not been very difficult to find. This meeting does not seem to be a regular meeting of the church, but a prayer meeting. It seems like it was a specifically a prayer meeting for, you know, Christians were praying that Peter was released. So she wasn't just doing the standard, I mean, not that having a house church was standard, but for her, but then she went further by now opening her house again, this time for a prayer meeting. And she was a mother, right? So she puts herself at risk and her son. But then on the other side of things, right? So forget about the risk for a few seconds. She was actually being a great example for her son, Mark. But like I said before, women were a vital part of Jesus' ministry. They listened to his teachings. Um, in some cases, they see him more spiritual than the man. That has not really changed today with, you know, for the most part, women, in my opinion, being more spiritual than men. They offered financial support, which was extremely important uh, to the ministry. And they were eyewitnesses of the, of, of the resurrection, some of them, and were deeply committed to following him. And here with Mary, she uses her wealth to offer hospitality. And I say wealth, and I don't know if I'm using that loosely or not, but she had a house big enough for people to meet in, and she had a servant, so there was some, some means there. But then more importantly, right, so I don't want to really get into the size of the house and all this kind of stuff, but more importantly, she offered hospitality. She has the um, church at her house, and this important prayer meeting. But it can be that as Christians, we want to have a nice home, right? Nothing's wrong with that. But my question is, do we intend to use it for God? Or even right now, you may have, right, a house that's big enough to, uh, to offer up as a meeting place or a place to have an event. But are you using it for God? I'm not saying that 
you know, you need to have a, a house church <laughs> at your house, right? Your local church may have a meeting place. So there's no issue there. But are you inviting people into your home and serving them? And the thing that I understand personally is that hospitality can be difficult for certain people, right? So it can be difficult for one, if you're selfish, like me, and then two, it can be difficult for others who are the perfectionist, right? So first off, the selfish, what do we do, right? Those who battle with selfishness, we want to stay to ourselves, right? We're not really into the, to, to the groups and the crowds and all this kind of stuff. We go to church, but now to bring the crowd home, that's difficult at times, right? And then for those, the perfectionists, everything has to be right. And the truth is, in both cases, or all cases, everything's not right. But if we wait till everything is right before we open our homes and invite people in, then we'll never do it. So to offer hospitality, sometimes we need to overcome these things, right? And there are probably other things that I didn't say here, but these are the two that kind of stand out to me. But if God blesses you with a home, which is flat amazing, right? Then we should find ways to serve with it. Just like a car, right? If he blesses us with a car, we should find ways to serve with it as well. So the true test of hospitality is when we not just have an event at our home, which perhaps it sounds like I was offering earlier, but when we serve by letting others even sleep there, right? So that goes to a different level. But then hospitality is not for women alone, but for men as well. So yes, I'm using Mary as an example here, but I'm a man, not a woman, but hospitality, we can't just say, oh, let the women do that stuff. No, that's great that the women are doing it, but even for those of us who are men who are listening, we need to be those who offer hospitality as well. But then if we are in a situation where we, we are um, husband and wife, that we work together to offer hospitality. In 1 Peter 4, 7 and 10, Peter writes to the Christians as a whole, so neither men nor women separately, but both. And I'll read this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So in here, you'll see, he says, offer hospitality. And he says, to one another, so specifically talking about Christians, he says, without grumbling. So <laughs> I don't know, if, I guess grumbling could be an issue, right? Grumbling, complaining. He says, offer hospitality without grumbling, right? Your attitude when you do it should not be, 
uh, you mean these people can leave my house? No, but you know, you're humble, you're, you're kind, you're not grumbling, okay? And then he ends with, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And I believe that this expresses the heart of what the Bible says about wealth. This, this is one of the key things that we are generous, right? And that God blesses us to be a blessing, a, a conduit, right? So it shouldn't be like we are a bottleneck, right? The blessings come in and then it, it, the, the, the thing is turned in such a way that the blessings don't go no further than that. No. We're not supposed to hoard the blessings. We're supposed to open up and let it flow. Right? So even our hands, right? Don't be tight-fisted. The scriptures tells us elsewhere. We need to open up our hands and help and serve. And today, specifically, we're talking about hospitality. But guess what? That's all I have for you today. I encourage you to join me next time when we take a look at some more wealthy people in the New Testament. I encourage you to invite your friends and family to listen to the podcast. Tell them search for godliness with contentment wherever they listen to podcasts. This is Keen Ohana signing off saying, check you later.